0: Luke chapter 13, Luke chapter 13. We're walking our way through the gospel of Luke. I am excited this morning. I, I, I learned some things that, that I hadn't been privy to spiritually that I can't wait to share with you today. So we'll land somewhere in between preaching and teaching styles today. But let's read all the way through this first. On the Sabbath, and that is important, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman was there. Who had been crippled, listen, by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. This. He put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. And the Lord answered him, You hypocrite. Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it some water? Then why should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath from what binds her? When he said this, all of his opponents were humiliated. But the people were delighted with all the wonderful things. He was doing. All his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted. One version says the people cheered at all the things that he has been doing. So, as Jesus moves into the latter stages of his ministry, this is actually the only time we find him in the late stages of his ministry inside a church. He did all of his ministry outside the church, all right, it, it, by the lake in people's houses, as he was traveling. But on this particular occasion, he was in the synagogue, and Luke points that out because it was important. He's in the synagogue. He is teaching just like I am teaching now. And there was a woman who arrived who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. So we do not know the age of this woman, and we do not know the name of this woman. What we know is that she was bent over, all right, and she probably had spent, now if I do this for five minutes, I'm going to be sore, I'm going to be hurting, I'm going to be uncomfortable. And for 18 years, she would tried to find a way to look at the world like this, okay? And she is there. I don't know if she is there because this was the church she was always at. I don't know if she was there because there was a man from Galilee that she had heard about who had healed. I don't know which one it was. I just know that she was there. And I know that Jesus noticed her. I want to call your attention to that. Jesus noticed her. Some people probably noticed her because she was crippled. Others may have never noticed her because she would have never stood out above the crowd. If there was a crowd of people and you were looking at them, you may never have seen her because she would have been hunched over. Another key to this passage is that she had been crippled by a spirit. Crippled by a spirit. So her body is the result of what is going on with her body is the result of some kind of demonic, some kind of not heavenly father presence. As I started to work through this and read through this, of course, the the, the Baptist growing up in me, all right, has a hold on how I feel about infirmity, heal, healing, illness, etc. Uh, we don't, church, we don't. It, it, it isn't in our nature to have a service where someone comes forward and I slap them upon their forehead and I speak in King James and some kind of change happens in them physically. That's just not normal for us. I have friends who have experienced it. My wife has actually experienced it in a a foreign country, believes with all her heart, and I believe that she believes. I, I have no problem with that. Can Jesus heal? He absolutely can. So how do I digest that? How do I formulate that? How do I work through that? How do we deal with, does Satan do this to us? Because the Pharisees and even the Jews had this idea that maybe if you had leprosy or if you were born with an infirmity or if you came down with an infirmity, that you had sinned. That you were some special kind of sinner that God wanted to punish. But that doesn't line up with the God I know from Genesis to the Revelation. But healing of an infirmity because someone believes or doesn't believe doesn't line up with the God I know either. So I've always struggled with that. But there, there is, there's been a light. I don't know that I have an answer. But in this passage, there is a light that has been shined upon that for me. Luke is very specific that this particular infirmity in her body is absolutely caused by what is going on in her spirit. Do you hear me? So, what that means is that there are natural infirmities that come by birth or that come over time, all right, that happen to people regardless of their spiritual walk. There are also infirmities that are absolutely caused by the spiritual battle going on within an individual. And now that I know that, I understand that God can should, and will overcome the battle within which can release the body without. And that was a massive revelation for me today. I hope you hear that land on you, but I want to make it personal. Listen to this. What if we lived in a world, spiritual and physical, where our spiritual struggles, the struggle between the principalities and the powers of darkness inside each one of us were reflected in our physical form. Everybody take a breath and think through what I just said. What if your spiritual battles, your what was going on in your heart was reflected in what happened to your body? Maybe you're a believer, but you in your heart are paralyzed by fear that you may not be saved. You're paralyzed by fear that you may not be good enough. You're paralyzed by the lie that God may not love you. What if your paralysis in your spirit was manifested in your body and you could only lay there? What if the struggle that was going on inside you is constantly a back and forth between some particular sin, lust, shame, greed, and the Holy Spirit, and you're in church, and then you're out of church, and then you're in church, and then you're out of church. Have you ever seen someone who couldn't control their tremors? What if that, what if your body was a physical representation of what was going on inside of you? My question is, what would you look like? What would you look like? That's a a difficult question to ask, but I think it's a valid question to ask. Because then with this physical form, I think in a way this woman is, is symbolic. She is a representation of the physical power God has over the devil. All right? And it is an example to us that he can take the turmoil, the paralysis, the strife, the stress, the anxiety, the fear, the hopelessness within and stand us up, free us. From our infirmity. The question is, how does that happen? And I love the order of things here. Let's make this real. Jesus saw her. Jesus is about what is going on with you. If he were in this room, he doesn't see on a physical plane like we do. He sees on every plane. Mental, he knows your thoughts. Emotional, he knows your feelings. Spiritual, he knows where your soul resides. He can see all things. And so he would notice your pain. He would notice your fear. He would reach out for you because that's what Jesus does. He wasn't in the church simply to teach. He was in the church to reach and to change change and to make lives different and to push Satan the master of this world out of the people he created for another place and another time and a life that's bigger than this world and than this body and he noticed her and he said woman you are set free now God can and has spoken and made it happen we saw it with the centurion from miles away your son, your child as well. He can. But he doesn't hear. He doesn't hear. Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. That could be enough. Never box God. That absolutely could be enough. But in this story, that's not what happened. And the question is, what can we learn from that? Then he put his hands on her. He spoke to her, but then He touched her. She heard of Him, but then she connected with Him. I believe that there is a massive difference, even in the church house right now, between those who have heard about God and those who have met God. I think there's a massive difference of people in this room for those who have listened to the word of God and those who have held hands with the word become flesh. There is a massive difference in the change that comes from just hearing a sermon and actually being touched by God. And some of you hold God at a distance. I am happy to praise you. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm not ready for that yet. I want people to see me worship you. I'm not ready for that yet. Max Lucato calls it the rooms in your home. Come on in to my kitchen, God. Come on in to my living room, God. May I see the bedroom? no, 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 no. I'm, I'm going to keep that for myself. How about the closet? No, no, a couple skeletonitis is in there. But I don't need you to see. There's, God, I need a place in my life that, that you know, maybe, maybe you don't invade. You know about God. You do not know God because if you are afraid, of the life that he can give you as compared to the life that you can bring for yourself, you don't know God at all. If you think for a moment that there's any room in your home, that there's any place in your heart that you can design, that you can conquer, that you can fulfill better than he can, you know of God. You do not know God. And I think that is a beautiful point In this story, he says, woman, you are free. And then they connect and she knows. Do you know what I want for you today, church? I want you to know, not of God. I want you to know God. And she straightened up and she straightened up. I love that reference because we call the road of following Jesus the straight and narrow, broad and crooked. That's of Satan. That's the wrong path. But when it straightens and is narrow, that is of God. I love that she was crooked, but she straightened up. I love that her life was bent, but that it is no longer been. I love that she was imprisoned by her body, but now she controls how she stands because Jesus touched her. Because he didn't think that preaching his sermon was more important than following. He didn't think following the rules was more important than the woman. And he makes that abundantly clear. Jesus' heart is pouring out right here. You ever get in those situations, man? I get I, all the time. Right now in our church, if you can see the spiritual life of our church it's happening too. Beautiful things, amazing things. God is doing awesome things. People joining the church, baptismal pools full, all right? People getting saved, people waiting to be baptized, people reaching out and helping one another. And Satan is just reaching in and trying to stop us at every turn with this illness, with that death, with that financial loss, with that roof breaking open, with all of the things of the physical world. He is trying. And I love it. An amazing thing happens. And somebody says, I'm going to have to step in here. Now, if everything's, if you're plugging along and something else happens, we always say, when it rains, it. So it affects us and we hate it. But boy, when everything's going good and then somebody throws a wrench in the works, sometimes that just hits the wrong way, right? Sometimes it's just like, man, and and, then you react a little more firm. I think Jesus had that. He's like, oh, no, he did not. Not in the middle of the worship experience, not after God does amazing things. This is what you bring to me. I should not heal this woman because it's Sunday. I should not untie her from the bounds of Satan because it's Sunday? Didn't just two and a half chapters ago, I say right to your face, woe to you, you teachers of the law. You give your mint and your spices, but you have neglected the justice and the mercy. That's chapter 11, verse 42. Check it out. Two chapters ago, he's saying, this is how y'all act. And now you're playing it out as if I orchestrated it. What in the world do you think is better, me to set this woman free or you to set your donkey free? Don't be an... I would have loved to have said that out loud. Your rules make that ox more important than that woman. Your rules make the calendar more important than the carpenter. Your rules make Sabbath more important than the Savior. And remember, I have said it once, I will say it again. Not all good things are God things. And the Sabbath can absolutely be celebrated on Sunday. It can be celebrated on Saturday. It can be celebrated on a day that does not end with S and still ends with day. That's all seven. The real key to Sabbath is who has your ear and who has the Pharisees ear is Moses and the prophets and the first five books of the Bible and the memorization that they have put in and the time that they have put in and the dedication that they have put in and the power that they have put in and the, oh, wait, this became about me. And the minute it becomes about us and not about him, it's sinful. Immediately, she stood up and praised God. The ruler became indignant. Man, I hate when great things happen and people get ticked off. That I am so glad, church, that we are, we are past that. It still happens some, but we are past all that stuff, man. Uh, listen, children running up and down these aisles, us having to replace carpet every six months because there's you know, coffee stains everywhere. I will take that to no children running anywhere. Hey, comes with the territory. I mean, you know. I love this right here. I love this right here. Now, I, I don't I don't believe. I don't believe. I don't believe we ought to revel in other people's failures. I don't. All right? But sometimes, just sometimes, we get a little excited when people we don't care for or things we don't care for don't go the way they should for them. I saw a lot of that yesterday. We are all Tar Heels. That's exactly what's going on, right? We are cat fans. But in our... Caddy side, we all got a little excited, cause Coach K lost his last game in Cameron Indoor to a really bad team, who is his rival. And listen, people celebrated it, and part of me was like, and part of me was like, ah, we can do better than that. We can do better than that. That's what happened right here. Listen. That is exactly what happened right here. These guys had been teaching and preaching and holding their head up and standing up straight and acting so good and telling people where to go and how to get there for so long. And Jesus pulled his finger out of his pocket, pointed it right at him, and he said, woe to you who acts like your donkeys are more important than your people. I have the right to heal who I want to heal, where I want to heal, no matter what your religion says. And they were humiliated, and everybody went, woo! Man, when the people in your church cheer against you, could y'all catch that that's what happened? It's enough to be humiliated by the teacher. That's that, that, they were mad to begin with, and they've been trying to make him look bad the whole time. He turns it around, makes them look bad, and then their constituents cheer for him. That was just an awkward moment. We need to be acutely aware to celebrate and focus on the things of God, to see where God is doing work and do it with Him, to see where Satan has his talons and to reach out and say, Not today. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We have to learn to recognize that that is not of God. And I believe that. But if you'll ask Job, there is some suffering. There are some infirmities. There are some things that occur that are absolutely of God's allowing. Absolutely, you can't biblically say otherwise. God allows pain and suffering so that all things work together for the good of those who love him. The closer we get to God, the more our spirits will begin to discern by his leading which is which. And when we get there, we may well see people healed not because their back straightened up, but because the Satan that was pulling them down is no longer there. What if she was straight to begin with? That's the way God made her. Satan pulled her down. And Jesus said, not today. What's pulling you down? What's bending you over? What's causing you from not standing tall? Not today, Satan. Jesus wants you to stand tall. I believe that. He wants to set you free. And if you know the truth, the truth can set you free. What a fun, fantastic, challenging story. For you, for you, I just need to know. What's got you all been out of shape? What's got you all been out of shape? Bring it to Jesus. I promise you, he sees you. And he reaches for you. How will you respond? Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word and I thank you for the newness that you, that you gave to me as, 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 as I looked through, as I studied, as I listened to your spirit, as I read this passage. And I hope today that the that, that, that clarity occurred, that, that, that profoundness occurred because of your will and your way. I hope that everyone in the room knows something they did not know and something that brings glory to you and brings health. To their relationship with you. I thank you for that word. I thank you for our visitors. I thank you for our church members. I pray heavily for those who could not be with us today. And I know God beyond a shadow of a doubt. We're going to have a full church. We're going to have full pews. And in our next few months are going to be figuring out what to do. With all the people you are sending us. And how you are going to handle it God. Straighten us, set us free in Jesus' name.